Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Award-winning documentary filmmaker Margaret Brown, known for such films as The Order of Myths and The Great Invisible, returns to her hometown of Mobile, Alabama to document the search for and historic discovery of the slave ship, the Clotilda, the last known ship to arrive in the United States illegally carrying enslaved Africans. I think I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to get into too much more. There's so much to talk about in this beautifully rendered, very powerful story. And we're fortunate to once again have with us, joining us today is the director of Descendant and that would be Margaret Brown. Margaret, welcome back to Film School Radio. Oh my God, thank you for having me so many years later. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, I mean, given your connection to your hometown, given the power of the order of myths and also all of your work, all of the time that you have considered and documented the, your community as well as surrounding communities, uh, it's a testament to your your care and your um, uh, consideration of of the place where you came from. I think even back during the Order of Miss, we, there was a discussion about slave ships. Am I, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, I believe right. that was part of it. Yes. What put you onto doing this particular documentary at this particular time? Yeah, I mean, the Order of Myths um, was kind of it became centered around the connection of the, is about segregated Mardi Gras. And there was a white Mardi Gras queen, Helen Mayer, and a black Mardi Gras queen, Stephanie Lucas. And Helen's family, the Mayer family, um, brought the Clotilda to the United States. And we found out after Mardi Gras was over that Stephanie's family was descended off the ship. And the, the film, when we found that out, it, it became to be very sort of closely, that was sort of the, the hook that it all sort of swirled around. 11 years later, a, a slew of news stories about how the Clotilda had been found, except it wasn't the Clotilda. It was it was the wrong ship at first. And so I started getting messages on social media, people from Mobile saying, oh, are you going to come back um, and make a, another movie? And I wasn't really thinking I would make another movie about this. I, I wasn't thinking of making some kind of sequel, but I was living in LA at the time and a producer Louis Black, who has worked with me on all my films, we were having breakfast and I was telling him about these emails and texts and, you know, messages on social media. And, and some of them were like, about like how it's not really about the ship, it's about the community. Like you should, this is a fascinating community, you should go back. And also the Mayer family isn't talking to anybody, but Helen Mayer was in your movie. Maybe she'll talk to you. And I did think at the time that she would, you know, that that family who was participated in the order of myths would certainly participate in another film that I made because Helen traveled to festivals with me in the United States and abroad. So, and talked about the Clotilda to, to people openly. So I didn't think, I thought, surely I can get, I can get this family to speak again because they already did and toured with the film, but it turned out they didn't, you know? So that was kind of the beginning of the film. This, the producer Lewis was like, you're crazy not to go. You should go. And he handed me a check and said, go, here's a check. And so I got on a plane and went. Well, in the film, it's alluded to their role, the mayor family role in 
obviously in the town and the the history of it, but to the and I I don't I don't want to spoil anything for people who want to watch the film, but there are some pretty obvious connections uh, beyond uh, even beyond what we know and knew before. I have to say, in some way, the specter of the mayors or what they represented in terms of the history of all of this kind of hangs over this film. Well, which film are you talking about? Order of Myths, or because it's not even just it's 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 firmly well, stated in both yeah. films. Well, both films. You're right. But I'm saying about Descendant. It, I mean, obviously, they, they're, they're such a heavy footprint in, in, right. in, in, and they represent a system that was about slave trade. But there, there's so much more. There's, I just want to very briefly kind of focus on some of the statistics that are in the film, just because it gives, I think most Americans either don't know or don't care to know this, the sort of the, the, uh, the big picture of slave trade. And is it, uh, I believe it's Sadiq. Masadiki. Yeah, yes, who brings, I think he's the one who talked about 40,000 voyages that have been documented from as part of the slave trade in the United States for 12,000 ships involved and only five or six of them have ever been found. Yes. And that says so much about it really says everything, doesn't it? Like, do we want to find them is would would be the burning question. Well, who are the who are the first people or how did you sort of find your way into the story? Who who was it that sort of got you into what you needed to tell in this story? Well, we started um, the way I started researching was going to meetings. Um, There are there's a lot of activism in Africatown. and I just started attending a lot of meetings, like whether they be environmental meetings or neighborhood meetings, or you know, there's an alumni association there um, for the for the school that's in the community, and um, which is a very active alumni association. So I just started meeting the leaders in the community. Um, Joycelyn has a festival every year. I started attending that festival. Um, and you know, and there were some people also that I knew. I knew Lorna Woods from the Order of Myths. Mm-hmm. Um, had introduced me to her years ago. So there were people I already knew, and then there were some. I mean, in a way, like there's not as many young people in Africa Town. It's it's a town, somewhat comprised of activist elders. So I was going to these meetings often, where I'd see the same faces at different meetings, and they'd be like sixty and seventy and eighty year old faces, like going to meeting after meeting. It was incredible pride in the community, and I remember that really struck me. So you know, when you go to a lot of meetings, you just start organically meeting people and hearing what matters to them. And then I met some young activists who actually didn't end up being in the film, but they told me about Emmett, and they said there's this like young Black Lives Matter activist. He's directly descended from Kujo and he's incredible and you should meet him. We were filming with them one day and he just, he showed up and that's how I met him through, it was like the Black Lives Matter movement in Pritchard, which is another town that has, part of Africatown is actually in this town called Pritchard, not Mobile. You mentioned Kujo Lewis and he is the subject of a very important book. Actually, he's more of, from what I gleaned, it, he's more of the narrator of the story of of the community, uh, mm-hmm. which was put together by Zola Neal Hurston, uh, and the importance of it. And let's talk about that because it's just such a fascinating part of the history of this. Sure, I mean, Zola Neal Hurston is. Um, I feel like that part of the film. It was something early on. I knew I wanted to include Barracoon. Um, 
it was I was I got very obsessed with her through reading her letters. She has a very large collection of letters. And she just really came alive for me in her letters. And and I I read Barracoon at the same time. I read Barracoon multiple times because I was trying to figure out, this was this, she had like Zora Neale Hurston, who is this incredible writer and ethnographer and filmmaker that I was obsessed with, like had literally written a book about this community through the words of Kudjo mostly. But also like she has a very long forward where she talks about like, bringing him fruit and bringing him different delicacies to get him to talk. And it, it's beautifully written uh, very early on when we were still in development, like trying to raise money. I shot with Emmett, you know, trying to figure out like, what is the poetic voice or one of the poetic threads of this film? And I, I wanted it to definitely be rooted in, in, in her book and fit. Cause it was so directly to connected to what was going on in the movie. And that is that thread and that we have, a tantalizing visual of uh, Kujol. Uh, It's only about 15 or 20 seconds long, but it gives gives this kind of gravitas to so much of the story and then the way it's told and the way you were able to kind of weave it into the narrative uh, just is very powerful, makes it very exceedingly powerful part of the film. I just wanted to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Margaret Brown. She is the director of this wonderful new documentary film called Descendant. It's out on Netflix beginning on October 21st. One of the things that I heard in the film that I never thought about, and I can't imagine how much of an impact it had, but the the slaves who were on board, uh, the Clotilda, were the last, theoretically the last slaves to be brought from Africa. And the impact that they had on the community was that they were free being introduced into a, a population that had been enslaved theoretically for 250 years, really by that time, by that time in our nation's history, it was almost 250 years later that these people were brought in and the impact that they had, their the sort of sense of themselves and what it was to be free, to be introduced into this population, never thought about it, but another powerful part of the film. Yeah, and no, I mean, I think um, they, there was there was definitely like a settlement in Africa Town then, but they 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 came and they brought their ways with them. In terms of Africa Town and its place, the fact that it is surrounded by paper mills and all kinds of heavy industry that have had an impact on it. I want to talk a little bit about this kind of environmental injustice that's often often visited upon um, communities of color yes. and how that plays itself out. Yeah, I mean, I remember, um, I mean, that's something when you go to Africatown, it's just the most palpable thing, you know, and um, often uh, the smells, the sa- it's very loud there. Um, it's very smelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's noise pollution, there's smells, there's, we don't know what's in the soil. I mean, we do to some degree, but it, there should be further testing. And it's like, there's this like beautiful hamlet in the middle of this industrial wasteland. And it's very striking to witness as a, when you when you sort of land there, um, it's, it's very overwhelming. Cinematically, it was like, I wanted to figure out like how to translate that feeling into the film, like the, the feeling of presence. And because there's so many emotions you feel when, when you're there, when you're going down the shell lined road to Lewis Quarters and it's surrounded on either side by, a lumber mill that's like 
polluting and loud and, you know, and you get down the end of the road and there's this little teeny sign that, that says that this community has been there since the late 1800s. And they're these like meticulously maintained homes in sort of a beautiful wooded, um, nicely kept area. And it's like, how does this even survive here? Like, what would you have to do to maintain that? It's just, it, you just feel the the pride in like keeping it, you know, but in the force of just like un, almost unimaginable, like pressing in, it's just nuts. And, you know, historically the mayor of Mobile's family is who owned that, um, that, that paper mill. And in the last minute or so I have with you, there's so many compelling people in the film. Like, I mean, you mentioned Jocelyn Davis. Uh, uh, there's just a, just a real wonderful activist. People who are involved in the community who've kept alive the history and such. But uh, near the end of the film, um, I was particularly moved by uh, Jocelyn's uh, visit to the Smithsonian and Mary Elliott and her, her own story. Just right. a really powerful part of the film. Right. Right. Oh okay. my God. We, we were, we were so blessed that she decided to walk around with us that day and let us film that. Um, it was incredibly powerful when we were, when we were, you feel so lucky sometimes making movies that you get to just witness these things. Like I've, I've felt so often on this film, just, I can't believe I got to be in the room, you know? What I think it, for the film, I think what it does is it, this, the sense of, uh, the sense moving forward, the sense that we are here, we need to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge what has happened and vitally important that we do that, but also a sense of the resiliency of, of these people who have been enslaved, who have been, who have been beaten down for so long and even continues as we speak to, to today. And so uh, I just thought it was a, a really wonderful um, part of the film. So I'm Margaret Brown, thank you. Thank you thank for you. Descendant. Thank you so much for your body of work. And um, congratulations on not only the film, but your executive producers. I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you have some fairly well-known high-profile people involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're very lucky to... Um, are you speaking about the Obamas? Or are you talking I about... Think, yeah, I think I'm talking about the Obamas. Yes, there are others as well, but yes. <laughs> We also have Questlove and Black Thought. Those, oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Sorry, Questlove. But yeah. No, the, um, the Obamas have been um, a blessing on the film um, and so incredible to meet in person. They sort of exceeded my expectations as humans. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. All the very best uh, with this project, as well as any time you want to come back, I, I would be honored to have you back, Margaret Brown. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.